At the end of the exhibit, visitors are given paper and pen and several specimens of plants and shells to work with. Here, they can try their hand at making their own scientific illustrations. The exhibit runs through the end of May, but most of its run has coincided with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's why the museum has taken pains to make sure that the whole exhibit is digitized, put online for everyone to explore. You can check it out too. Just go to flyingj, that's F-L-Y-I-N-G-J-A-Y, dot M-Y-D-S dot M-E, forward slash 720, forward slash drawing nature, one word, and make sure the D and N are capitalized, forward slash. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. If you Google about Sherry Lin, that's S-H-E-R-R-Y and then L-I-N, you'll see that she was probably the youngest Taiwanese person to visit the Arctic. That's because she's just an adventure seeker, and she has parents who support her crazy, risk-seeking personality. She's the only child, too, so what can you say or do, right, if you're the parents? The Arctic Rendezvous was to promote an outdoor clothing brand, and she was racing using huskies. I never thought I would meet someone who has done that, because I thought you only see that in movies. Anyway, at a young age, she has already traveled to tons of countries around the world. So she's been way up north of the Earth. Today, you'll hear about her trip to way down south, the Antarctica. The Antarctica. Mm-hmm. What happened? I mean, how come you went to Antarctica? One day I was in uh, sitting in my class, and then I got a message from Facebook. So uh-huh. a company that sent me a message and say, "Oh, we arrange a, an adventure to the South Pole, and we need a youth representative. Would you be interested in to have an interview?" And mm-hmm. interview by who? By a company called. Gamania. It's a video game company. Mm-hmm. What does Gamania and Antarctica have to do with each other? So Gamania's boss, uh, whose name is Albert, he's quite a crazy person. He's Taiwanese. Yes, he's Taiwanese. Okay. He went to North Pole uh-huh. and, like ten years ago. Okay. And ten years after, he wants to go to the South Pole. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, is there any difference between the Arctic and Antarctica? Is there any difference? Yeah. Um, really? Like Antarctica is super dry. But oh. the Arctic region is really humid. Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> huh. Oh, because the like, the Arctic region mm. is the North Sea, okay. but Antarctica is land. Oh, yeah, it's a oh. continent. So, like, I it's see. Mm-hmm. So I would start from the purpose of the trip. That we want to trace back to the first person, which is Amundsen, on a. Uh, a person from Norway, he was the first person to reach the South Pole by, I think, dog sledding or so. Right. And then we want to went to the same track. The same, oh. To follow, follow him. To relive that track. Okay. Yes. So the preparation was about one year. Mm. I need to quit one semester in order to train my physics. Physique? Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah. So what kind of training this time? Oh, a lot of... A lot? Mm-hmm. Weights? Everything? Yes. Uh, one particular one is we need to haul... Uh, tire 
like oh, ride yeah. the, ride to the riverbank for three times uh, a week, okay. and from one hour, two hours to three hours. Where did the training take place? The riverbank next to Neihu District, because the company the company is right next yeah, yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you were able to do it because uh, first of all, Sherry is tall. She's 174 centimeters tall. <laughs> so specific. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can see why you're able to lug... But um, I was the weakest one. You were the weakest? Mm. Sure, because you're a female. Yeah, the only one. The only one on the team. How many people were there that actually went? Including the director and cameraman, seven. Only seven? Yes. And you were the only female on the yes. team? Mm-hmm. How many days were you in Antarctica? One and a half month. I thought you were going to say one and a half days. <laughs> one and a half month. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. now... Did you say that Antarctica was tougher than Arctic? Definitely. Yeah. In uh, what ways? For example, the temperature is super low. Um, it was like minus forty degrees. Okay. And also, did you get frostbites again? And this this time is better. Oh, okay. I'm prepared. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. And also, like, uh, because we were cross country skiing to the South Pole. The distance was around three hundred and five uh, fifty kilometers, and it's always upward. The wind was pretty okay. strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! The thing was that they had to make sure that you're physically able. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Did they have other candidates before they finally decided on you? Because I was asked asked to have an interview, and there were several other people being interviewed. Yes. Okay. So okay. they they chose me. So yeah, out of how many people? Being interviewed. I have do you no know? Idea. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. How did you all do? I mean, everybody was fine. Nobody got sick. Any accidents? So originally, like our path to follow uh, the explorer Amundsen was six hundred and sixty kilometers. Yeah. But because we we were confronted with uh, snowstorm and mm. and so on, so we cut the mm. distance from eighty seven degree to the South Pole, which is half of the original distance. Oh, I would say that's kind of so an it's a half of it. Oh, I mm-hmm. see. What thoughts along the way? I mean, you guys ate the same kind of food, right? That you had before, like dried food. You said yes. spaghetti and the <laughs> yeah, but like the days extended to one and a half months. So, like in the end, when I smell those food, I just want to throw up. Oh, I know. So, <laughs> but you, but but then you are hungry, so you feel like you want to yeah, eat something. Yeah, and because human will um, consume like eight thousand calories in the Arctic. Oh. Area, so we need to like really in a day, eat. Mm-hmm. a lot. Especially oh, wow. we were cross country skiing, right? Yeah. yeah, so you learned how to cross country ski. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys try fishing? No, we don't have that. <laughs> we didn't even see any I animals. Was... I would say. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Really? You didn't even see a, like a wait a minute. Polar bears are in the north, so mm-hmm. okay. What do you? Do you have penguins in the, in penguins, the south? Penguins. Um, they are in peninsula. Uh-huh. Um, like right next to the sea, uh-huh. but we were in inland. Mm-hmm. So everywhere you look is just white. Yes, all white. There's all white. So like, um, before I went to Antarctica, my friends asked me, "Oh, Sherry, you need to see some see, sceneries that we didn't, yeah. we wouldn't be able to see in Taiwan." And right now, I was just, you just put a white paper in front of you, and you won't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is so funny. But that would be hard to find your direction. You have to use compass. And we have GPS. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. they have GPS there? You just ski every day? Yes. 
What else do you do? Eat a lot. Yeah. Oh, and also one uh, one really. Did you guys use dog sleds? No. No. Not this time. Dog sled is forbidden to be used in yeah Antarctica. In Antarctica. Mm-hmm. So you're totally on your own. Mm-hmm. This is a lot more challenging than your trip to Arctic. Yeah. Yeah. And also there were no uh, nights. It's all daylight. Yeah. Every, all the time. Mm-hmm. So you guys have to pitch tent to sleep? Yes. You guys have sleeping bags, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't sleep right on the ice. You We got mattress. mattress. Mm-hmm. And you guys carry your own mattress. Yes. That is lugging a lot of stuff on yourself. Yeah. Do you guys... We could barely talk because the wind was super I know. strong. And but I mean, like, before bedtime, do you guys, like, uh, yeah, yeah, sit yeah. around a fire? Do you guys build no. a fire? You don't no. build fires. <laughs> well, we you don't got... build fires. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what, do you, what do you guys do? What do you guys chat about? Did you try to write a diary? Keep yes. a diary? You did. Mm-hmm. I was the only one Anywho. to keep a diary. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, you should. So like before we went to bed, we would sit around, a, we have a kitchen tent. Okay. So we would sit there and just reflect what we have been through today and how much we need, need to push for tomorrow. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Did you break down and cry? Like, I don't want this anymore, kind of feeling. No, that, that kind of uh, thoughts never, have never Never come up crossed to your but, mind. Yes, but I, I cried How about several the other? times. You did? Uh-huh. Uh, because of the cold? Not the cold, and also the pressure from my teammates because I was super slow. See. So they need to wait for me, which um, put a lot of pressure on me. But you said there was the other, also a male college student, right? Uh-huh. Was it? Yes. He was. He's just more physically able he's than you athlete. are. He's an athlete. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that helps, I guess. Wow. So you were skiing and lugging a sled. Yeah, every each everyone. person mm-hmm. is also lugging a sled. I see. Mm-hmm. So wow, that is a lot of work. Yeah. See, if you're the slowest, did they try to lighten your your load? <laughs> yes. They should. Yeah, they should. They did. They did. I know. I'm really grateful. Yeah. This is really amazing. A month and a half. Were you able to get in touch with your mom and dad during that time to just talk to them and tell them that you're okay? Uh, three times. Three times? Through satellite phones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, this is really amazing. Now yeah. you're, do you feel like you're not afraid of anything in the world anymore? Because you, you overcame that trip to Antarctica. You feel like, you know, the world is under your arms, you know, and you can, you're not afraid of anything anymore. You're mm. a superwoman. <laughs> Do you feel that? Not really. No. I, like, this experience really um, strengthened my mind and in all its aspects, but still life has a lot of different challenges mm. and it's not the same mm-hmm. as the adventure in Antarctica. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. What's the next challenge you You've dreamed of. You think of something uh-huh. that you imagine that, oh, you like to do, try yeah. something. What, what's that? Then North Pole. What? Back to the North Pole, but actually really going to the North Pole, you're saying. Yes. Because last time it was just the Arctic. Mm-hmm. But oh, you just told me you're afraid of the cold, and now you want to go back to Arctic? I just feel like I've reached the South Pole, and if I could cross-country skiing to the North Pole, that would be... You serious? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, have you shared that idea with anybody? Yes. Is somebody is a company or a sponsor <laughs> is thinking about like okay, 
Okay, Sherry, you want to do that? Let's make it happen. N- not not no. yet. I want to find a reason to persuade people to let find me a reason go. to persuade. Mm-hmm. You do. Have you talked it over with your parents? What what suggestions do they have? They given you? Have you talked to your parents mm. about this? No. <laughs> <laughs> Now they're gonna hear this. But they know that this is a seed in my mind. Oh so. my goodness. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. You do intend to get married and have a family, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to picture, like you know, when you do have a family, how you're going to bring your whole family and your kids and say, "Let's go for a crazy adventure," you know, and then they're going to think we've got a crazy mom. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm just yeah. I'm just throwing that out. But anyway, this is really amazing. And actually, you do more than you know.、Um, I think you've got a great heart. That you know, you like to do volunteer work and you challenge yourself.、Mm-hmm. Not everybody's like you, who's so brave to challenge everything, take risks,、mm-hmm. right? Because for your trip to the Antarctica, you had to sign a consent form. It's、yeah. a matter of life and death.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? If you were to die out there, do they leave a body there? <laughs> no, like the insurance company is not going to take any responsibility of my death. Got it.、Mm-hmm. So it's talking about the insurance company.、Yeah. Oh, I see. This is really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Sherry. Thank you for having you me. You know,、um, definitely you're gonna go on my show again in the future if you ever try another big adventure, another big risk,、mm-hmm. and、um, I want to hear your story. I'm sure a lot of people are being inspired by you. <laughs> you. You know, people who don't dare to take risks like me. <laughs> and,、uh, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> that I want to challenge myself as a person. But、um, yeah, good luck. And okay, so you have this idea about going to the Arctic, right? That's、mm-hmm. something else. But is there any other dream that you have about life? I、uh, want to do some like be in international organizations related to humanitarian aid.、Mm, I I got I felt that was coming. I felt that was coming. <laughs> really? Yeah. I hope so. Because I think you have a great heart for. You know the world for society. You know you have a great heart. You know concern about the human race. <laughs> like you're so amazing. <laughs> But you know there are people like you. If only you get to know all these other people who have the same、um, mentality as you,、mm-hmm. and then you guys can really get together and become a team and start some kind of organization that can really. Um, bring attention to the world about humanities.、Mm-hmm. I think that would be one amazing thing.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, humanitarian aid and things like that. Yeah. Thank you for your heart and thank you for you know your courage. I hope it inspires a lot of people out there who hears the <laughs> story.、Yeah. All right. Good luck with everything, Sherry. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Country. 
可以跑起来，别动我的剑。Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Welcome to Classic Shorts. I am Natalie So. Today we're going to hear from a poet in the Middle Tang Dynasty, Liu Yuxi. He was a contemporary and close friend of three other poets, Liu Zongyuan, Han Yu, and Bai Juyu. And he was known for excelling in shorter and more complex forms of Chinese poetry. And we're going to read a couple of those today. Also, he covers a wide spectrum of topics. Including the social customs of the time, folk music, friendship, and nostalgia. Just over 700 of his poems still exist, and four of them are in the classic Qing Dynasty anthology Three Hundred Tongue Poems. Now, two of Liu's poems were included in one of the first English collections of Chinese poetry, called Herbert Giles' 1898. Chinese poetry and English verse. The first two poems we're going to read are from that anthology. This one is called "Summer Dying." Whence comes the autumn's whistling blast? With flocks of wild geese hurrying past. Alas, when wintry breezes burst, the lonely traveler hears them first. This one is called Odalisk, which refers to a concubine in the emperor's harem. A gaily dressed damsel steps forth from her bower, bewailing the fate that forbids her to roam. In the courtyard, she counts up the buds on each flower, while a dragonfly flutters. And sits on her comb. And this is from the Three Hundred Tongue Poem Anthology. It's called Thoughts of Old Time at West. Fort Mountain.
since Wang Jun brought his towering ships down from Yizhou. The royal ghost has pined in the city of Nanjing. Ten thousand feet of iron chain were sunk here to the bottom. And then came the flag of surrender on the wall of stone. Cycles of change have moved into the past. While still this mountain dignity has commanded the cold river. And now comes the day of the Chinese world united. And the old forts fill with ruin and with autumn reeds. This one is one of his most famous works called Lo Shi Ming, The Scholar's Humble Dwelling. It's a prose poem describing living in a simple home, following a life that is refined in culture and learning. Who heeds the hills bare height until some legend grows around the hill? Who cares how deep the stream before Its fame is writ in country lore And so this humble hut of mine May shelter virtues half divine The moss may climb its ruined stair And grassy stains the curtain wear But scholars at their ease within for all but ignorance enters in. With simple lute the time beguile, or golden classics page a while. No discords here their ears assail, nor cares of business to bewail. This is the life the sages led. Those are poems by the Tang Dynasty poet Liu Yixu. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Yuan Bao, the new baby panda at the Taipei Zoo, met the public for the first time on Tuesday. The zoo held a banquet on Monday evening, where Yuan Bao appeared to celebrate the beginning of his new public life. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe attended the banquet and said there are a total of 2,360 animals and 341 different types of animals at the Taipei Zoo. 
As for the zoo's second panda, born at the zoo to parents Yuan Yuan and Tuan Tuan, Yuan Bao is 184 days old on Tuesday. The zoo said her muscles have grown stronger, and she's able to climb up and down the branches all by herself. Since she's maturing and handling herself well, the zoo said it was time for her to begin life in the public. Yuan Bao made her public debut on Tuesday, but she spent most of her time sleeping because that's what baby pandas do. Still, children were very excited to see her, even though she was awake for only 10 minutes. How long does Yuan Bao usually sleep a day? 16 hours. One of the first lucky visitors is a woman surnamed Wang. She arrived at the zoo early so that she and her daughter could take a good look at Yuan Bao. They were lucky as they got to see her for a whole 10 minutes. Taipei Zoo spokesman Eric Chao said, while Yuan Bao enjoys climbing up and down the wooden branches, she is a bit timid and not as adventurous as her sister Yuan Zai. The penguins at the National Aquarium in Pingdong County are especially popular with visitors. For the first time, though, the aquarium is bringing the experience with penguins up another notch, starting February. With yellow beaks, white bellies, and black coattails, these creatures are the adorable penguins at Pingdong's National Museum of Marine Biology and Aquarium. They are fun to watch through the glass walls of the aquarium as they swim around. But what if you could get even closer to them and give them something to eat? Beginning February, for the first time, visitors will be able to feed the penguins. Adults and children alike can soon interact with the cute birds up close as they give them their food. But this special experience will be limited to just a few people a day—only eight. That's so we don't overwhelm and disturb the precious penguins too much. Shirley Lin, RTI News. Taiwan is in the middle of a sudden cold snap, and it isn't just humans feeling the chill. The zoo in the southern city of Gaoxiong is taking steps to make sure that its animals stay warm as the mercury continues to drop. Since early Wednesday, temperatures across Taiwan have fallen sharply. That's not a problem if you're a human, but what if you're cold-blooded like a tortoise or built for steamy jungles like a sloth? The directors of Gaoxiong's Shoushan Zoo have considered these questions, and they've come up with answers. A range of animals and birds susceptible to the cold have been given heat lamps, while orangutans have been given canvas blankets. The zoo says it will also take steps to warm up its furrier and bulkier residents, creatures like lions and elephants, as necessary. John Van Trieste, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. The Taipei International Book Exhibition has unveiled its book prize winners for 2021. The honor has gone to 13 authors from Taiwan, China, and Hong Kong. At a press conference last week, organizers of the 2021 Taipei International Book Exhibition announced the winners of next year's book prize. The prize is divided into four categories: fiction, nonfiction, children and youth, and compilation. Well-known Taiwanese novelist Huang Chunming was given one of the awards for his novel about a girl who loves smiling. 
The 87-year-old author said this award shows that the years he spent writing the work were worthwhile. Chinese writer Su Xiaokang, meanwhile, won a prize for a book that chronicles China from 1989 to 2019. The self-exiled dissident moved to the United States in June 1989 because of his involvement in the Tiananmen Square protest. Su thanked Taiwan for giving him the space to publish his works. He said that over the past 30 years, he has published a number of books in Taiwan, a place he called his only literature homeland. Su said that Taiwan allows the free publication of books in Mandarin Chinese because it is a free country without political shackles. A couple from the Philippines who came here for IVF was successful in conceiving twins. But with the Philippines recording the second highest number of COVID-19 cases in Asia, they were reluctant to return to their country to give birth. Now, after an extended stay, they have given birth to a healthy set of twins and are preparing to return home. Laura and her husband are celebrating the first month anniversary of the birth of their twins. We decided to uh, come to Taiwan to IVF because we want to have my, our own baby. They arrived in Taiwan in March, and Laura was able to get pregnant via in vitro fertilization. But by then, the pandemic in the Philippines had taken a turn for the worse. They postponed their return home, worried about the risk of infection, and eventually gave birth in Taiwan by way of cesarean section. Because of this COVID-19, and we want here also, we want to deliver our babies here. So you are sure that you will go back to your country on January 7th? Doctors say that there is another overseas couple at the hospital also hoping to have their baby here where it's safe in Taiwan. Andrew Ryan, RTI News. Before we end today's program, we have a story about President Tsai Ing-wen's approval ratings. A survey released by the ruling Democratic Progressive Party shows that President Tsai's approval ratings stand at 61 percent. The DPP attributed Tsai's popularity to her remarkable performance over the past year. President Tsai was re-elected in January. She and Vice President William Lai took office in May. According to the DPP survey, 83% of those polled are satisfied with the government's efforts to keep COVID-19 at bay. DPP official and lawmaker Luo Zhijin said the survey results are a recognition of Tsai's performance and the joint efforts made by the public to tackle COVID-19 and other economic and social issues. Despite Tsai's high approval ratings, however, Taiwan has seen protests against Tsai's decision to lift the ban on U.S. pork imports containing the feed additive ractopamine. But Luo said the public has different expectations, and he trusts that the Taiwanese people will continue supporting the government's reform agenda. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chow. RTI is conducting a survey. Visit our website to fill out the questionnaire or simply send us your answers to the following four questions. Question number one. What platform do you use to listen to RTI programs? You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two. Which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three. Out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? 
And question number four, what are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, 11199. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience01 at rti.org.tw. That's audience and the numbers 0 and 1 at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Our leaders, of our leaders, they have helped uh, tremendously to keep the country uh, COVID-free and, and it continues until now. And then also plus uh, Palau, like other islands in the Pacific, is all surrounded by water. Hello and welcome to this week's On The Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. During the UN General Assembly general debate on September 23, 2020, President Tommy Ramanexo from Palau said the pandemic has put Palau into a level of isolation and they struggle with disruptions to supply chains for food and essential medicines. In the meantime, economic activities must be vibrant in Palau because ATMs in Palau run out of cash. How is cash supplied? And how does COVID-19 affect Palau? Let's hear from Ambassador Demel Luisa O'Carroll, the ambassador of Palau in Taiwan. Well, we know, Ambassador, the world has really changed since COVID-19 right. swept across the whole world, um, you know, from early this year until now. Palau is one of the 10 countries Few, very few, that have not been affected. Hmm. Could you talk about that, Ambassador? It's because um, our leaders, of our leaders, they have helped uh, tremendously to keep the country uh, COVID-free and, and it continues until now. I know our president stopped the flight from, direct flight from Hong Kong and Macau uh, in February of this year. So I think that was a very smart move. And then eventually Korea and Japan and then... Um, Taiwan. Taiwan was... The last flight from Taiwan was March uh, 22 or 24. However, uh, since then, we've had charter flight uh, beginning uh, April until now. And so the next flight uh, is December 12. Uh, once a month, we have a flight. A charter flight from uh, from uh, here, to here to Palau, Palau and then from Palau, from Palau to um, Taiwan. Taiwan. That's for the essential trip. Yes, for essential uh, workers and also for uh, patients from Palau who needs to come to Taiwan for medical treatment. 
And then um, those who complete their uh, medical treatment stay for at least uh, three weeks to four weeks to wait for the next month flight. So it's been working out uh, fine. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the ambassador because I know that uh, if it's a one-month flight, how do the patients cope with the schedule, even the medical fee, and right. so on and so forth? Mm-hmm. Uh, that creates another cost, right? You know? Right. But again, back to what I asked earlier. Surprisingly, Palau is one of the few countries, you know, which is uh, COVID-free, and it is in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. Many countries in the South Pacific seem to be COVID-free. Is right. it a coincidence, or is it because uh, these countries uh, closed the borders, as you mentioned earlier, much uh, much earlier than all the European yes. countries? Uh-huh. I think because of the early um, actions uh, that uh, our leaders took, and then also plus uh, Palau, like other islands in the Pacific, is all surrounded by water, mm. so it it's hard to do crossing crossover. So we're lucky for that. But at the same time, um, you have to have uh, like good security around the surrounding ocean. So Palau also has a good. Uh, we have patrol boat that patrols uh, our uh, ocean. I think uh, in our last interview, I'm not sure if that was taken last year or the year before last, we did talk mm-hmm. about um, the security of Palau with all these patrol boats to mm-hmm. mention that Palau is safe and the water is safe from all these poachers. Yes. So has the security been increased um, just to make sure that um, there are no illegal immigrants you know, trying right. to land in Palau? Uh-huh. We yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Our borders are very secure. Currently, we have uh, three patrol boats, and Palau uh, is able to do this with uh, great assistance from countries like Australia, of course, United States, and then Taiwan mm-hmm. and Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with all the assistance of all these countries, and with, of course, the security officers uh, from Palau, so you are able to um, secure Palau yes. from COVID nineteen mm-hmm. in particular. You know, what we are afraid of is the poachers and the illegal immigrants mm-hmm. that land in a certain country, even though that Palau, I mean, does not have the land border with yes. another country. It's an accomplishment that uh, takes effort of uh, basically our leaders. We know, of course, by closing the borders, just like in any country in the world, including here in Taiwan, the economy somehow would be impacted. Oh, yes. We know that 90,000 tourists visited Palau in 2019. And right. uh, tourism actually is made up of... Uh, Forty um, percent uh, of the GDP of Palau. Oh, now, yes. how has the government ever since the uh, closure of the borders in March until now December coped with um, the problem? Uh, I haven't been to Palau also, so I don't know uh, exactly what's happening. But just hearing the news and hearing uh, Palau has a briefing, president's uh, briefing uh, every week. And uh, it's live on YouTube, so mm-hmm. I I watch it. So I can I know that uh, Palau, like other countries in the world, uh, is uh, suffering. 
But uh, because we're under uh, the United States uh, through our agreement of Compact of Free Association, we get the uh, financial assistance uh, from United States. Uh, and that uh, has helped, uh, even though only Palawans can apply for the financial assistance. But at the same time, our government, uh, I know initially, um, did a uh, financial assistance to the foreign workers uh, that are employed by the hotels and restaurants in Palau. This is Radio Taiwan International. Even though there are no tourists, Palau uh, still survives. Uh, even though the economy is suffering. And uh, people of Palau, uh, I know, feel that, you know, our ancestors uh, survived without all this. Mm -hmm. We can do it. So that's uh, a concept that uh, still remains uh, with the people of Palau. At the same time, um, we had uh, several uh, group of uh, different groups of uh, military mil soldiers uh, who arrived in Palau to uh, do work uh, in our um, airports in Peleliu and Ankara. These airports uh, were uh, used by the Japanese and then during the World War II they uh, used them and then um, before we had our commercial airport uh, finished, we used one of the the airport in Angar to bring tourists to Palau. So they also have helped uh, contribute to the economy and um, Palau is lucky to have survived uh, this far, but our president also realized that we have to open up. Mm -hmm. But these soldiers are from different countries in the world? No, no, from U.S. From the U.S. Mm -hmm. and they contribute We are only also. allowed to accept um, through our agreement uh, with the United States, only U.S. military can be present in Palau, except uh, like when the Navy... Uh, Ships from Taiwan come. Uh, we have to notify the U.S. Embassy that they are coming for a friendly uh, visit. visit. Mm -hmm. And Ambassador, earlier you mentioned that there are foreign workers working at the hotels in Palau. And of course, um, uh, these workers cannot apply for assistance from the U.S., but there would be extra costs incurred. Where are these foreign workers from the Philippines? Uh, most of them are from Philippines. Uh, we also have uh, many from Bangladesh. I don't know if we get any from Indonesia, maybe not. Mm -hmm. But most of them are from Philippines, the Philippines and yes. Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. During the UN General Assembly general debate on September 23rd, <coughs> President Tommy Remenek thought, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. 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 Said that the pandemic has put Palau into a level of isolation. And uh, he said, quote, We struggle with disruptions to supply chains for food and essential medicines. Now, have any other countries, such as the US or Japan or Australia and Taiwan, helped? Oh, yes. When um, the world uh, became aware of this pandemic, even as early in April, uh, Australia helped uh, Taiwan and Japan and of course US 
um, will this uh, charter flight uh, that Palau charter from Taiwan to Palau? It was a very important um, part of this uh, fight against uh, the pandemic because we were able to receive aid from Australia, shipped from Taiwan to Palau, and uh, oh, even now there's still a flight. Uh, Week, once a week flight from Guam to Palau uh, carrying cargo mm. but I would like to point out that uh, flights from Guam to Palau uh, do not carry any passengers only um, cargo it, it was so interesting that also in uh, I believe it was September there was a flight from Guam uh, to Palau and then only one person was on board the flight um, to bring in um, cash to the banks uh, in Palau because our, the ATM were running out of cash. And uh, I, I heard uh, the leaders on the, in the press conference saying the economy must be going since... Uh, you know, where did the cash go? <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody is going outside and bring the, you know. So that was another sign that the Palau is uh, maybe small, but it's surviving. <laughs> because with of the cash flow. Yeah, the cash yeah. flow there. Yeah. The banks were running out of cash. <laughs> so the person from Guam uh, brought cash to Palau, to Palau. and then went back. Yes. Immediately on the return flight to Guam. Mm -hmm. So, and then another uh, very good um, uh, part of this whole pandemic uh, era is uh, right now, uh, yeah, we said there's no tourist in Palau. So, everything in our environment is uh, rejuvenating. I mean, the trees and uh, the fish and the crab. <laughs> and then um, the local people are enjoying the, the tourist attractions mm -hmm. that um, many times they don't have opportunity to enjoy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have uh, hundreds of these islands. So my cousin said, oh, we go and if there's people in another one, we go to the next one just like before. We choose the empty ones and go. But when there are tourists, you cannot choose. <laughs> yes. You just have yes. to mingle with the tourists in a crowded beach. So that's one benefit. Um, and the jellyfish lake, you've heard of the jellyfish yes. lake. Uh, people say, oh, there are millions <laughs> of, of jellyfish jelly yeah. right now as compared yeah. to, to the before. time when they, they were tourists. Yeah, around. yeah, yes. yeah. And also the shark sanctuary. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this is, um, if you think of that as one benefit, probably is one of the best benefits yes. as well. Uh -huh. Because uh, in a way, the whole environment has itself been protected. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? Yes, because um, this is uh, what tourism, it brings economy, but in a way it hurts the environment. The environment, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And there was a second part of our interview with the ambassador of Palau, Ambassador Demel Luisa Alcaro. And that's it for this week's On The Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening to us tonight. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.